You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. Hey, there's something there. That's uh, kind of a kind of an interesting day, isn't it? Like it's it's April and it's baseball season, and and yet it's kind of like rainy outside, or at least it wants to rain a little bit. I guess that rain brings us to a place where flowers grow and the grass stays green, and so it's it's a good thing. How many of you uh, how many baseball or basketball fans in here? Been watching the Final Four. Some of you have watched the Final Four. You know that uh, Gonzaga and, and North Carolina, right? You ready for that big Final Four or, or a big final game? Uh, any Gonzaga fans in here? Bless you, West Coasters. There you go. And and are the rest of you North Carolina fans? You're something else. A few North Carolina fans, but you're interested. Um, have you been, ever been to a big game like that? Like a big like Final Four? So you've been in a big Final Four? There's a lot of energy to one of those things, right? There's all kinds of passion. Some people just, they love the thought of going to a big game like that, a big event where you know there's going to be lots of people, you know it's going to be crazy. If your team wins, great. If your team doesn't, that's great. It's all the same because you just love the fact that you're going to get to be in that environment and there's an energy there that pulses and you're just like, I want to be a part of that crowd. And other people, Maybe you're the, this person. You're like, the last place you'd want to be is in a place like that, where there's all those people, and, there's, and you just you don't see energy. You see like a drain on everything about who you are, and you're like, the last place you'd want to be on earth is found in a big event, a big venue like that. Well, crowds are interesting. Some, some of us love them, and some of us, the last thing we want to be close to is a crowd. Um, if we get close to a crowd, we just want to stay on the outside, on the outside fringes, uh, and watch the event. Uh, by the way, did you see the, the crowds, uh, the picture? I love the pictures that, that went through that, that video for the crowds. They were a bunch of cowboys. I, I thought, I don't know if they took that at a, at a roadie or what they did, but I just want to say hats off to the people who threw that picture into the ring. Um, that's just a, it's a cool picture to put in there. But Jesus, this morning we're going to, Think about Jesus. Jesus had a number of different encounters with crowds. Some of the times he encountered crowds, and they loved him, and sometimes they didn't like him so much. When he first went to the synagogue in Nazareth, where he was a boy, and he grew up, when he went back there after being baptized and after spending 40 days in the desert, he went back to the synagogue in, in Nazareth, and he opened up the scrolls of Isaiah, and he read a prophecy. He read a prophecy, and then he, he rolled the scrolls back up, and he said, Today this is fulfilled in your hearing. And the, there was a crowd that was there that day, and they heard Jesus, and they didn't like what he said at that moment. They didn't like what he said continuing on. And so the crowd pushed Jesus out of his own synagogue, the synagogue where he grew up, and they pushed him to the edge of a cliff. The crowd almost pushed Jesus to his doom that day. There was another crowd. John, in John chapter 5, or John chapter 6, John will tell us about a time when Jesus was feeding the 5,000. And all kinds of people around Jesus, they were, they were hungry, and, and he performed a miracle. And the next 
night, or, or that night, he left, and the next morning, the crowd that was there that had feasted the night before, they showed up again. They found where Jesus was at in the morning, and they said, dinner was great, we're here for breakfast. And Jesus said, if you want to if you want to follow me, if you want to know what I'm about, you can't just expect to get fish and chips all the time. You've, you've got to come and you've got to want a part of, of me, of my life. And John tells us that when Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, and to have life you must eat me, uh, people, John said, they just disappeared into the wilderness. The crowd left because of what Jesus said. Then Matthew gives us another picture of a crowd that's hungry, that finds something real, something substantial, something that they, that they know that they must follow. They found life. He begins by telling us the story way back in Matthew chapter 5. We think about it as the Sermon on the Mount, and it starts off with, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he has all of those points of blessedness. And then Jesus uh, preaches through chapter 6 and chapter 7 of Matthew, talking about the kingdom of heaven and who the kingdom of heaven is open to. In reality, Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven is open to everybody who longs for God, and God invites everyone to be a part of his kingdom. And then uh, Jesus begins to go on a journey. Matthew will tell us he'll go from village to village. But he goes on a journey, and people just sort of follow him, they long to hear what he says. They long to, to see him, to touch him, to be close to Jesus. Near the end of chapter 9, Matthew gives us this summary. And if you've got your Bibles or if you've got the Schweitzer app, you'll find it present there. But it's at the end of chapter 9 where Matthew gives us this summary of Jesus' ministry, of, of what's, what he's been uh, describing as Jesus has interacted with the crowds. Matthew tells us this. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, Jesus had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out more workers into his fields. Um, as we think about that, one of the things that just rises up in the middle of that text is this reality that Jesus is somebody who has compassion. He has compassion on the crowds. He has compassion on the people that he, that he rubs shoulders with day in and day out, that he sees along the way. He has compassion. And his compassion... Uh, moves him to do things like heal the sick and, and to raise people up and to release people from things that are, are keeping their spirits down. In, in the scriptures, the scriptures talk about those things as demons, demonic influences, things that afflict the spirit. Jesus gives people release. He gives people release because they're not finding it anyplace else. They're not finding help. They're not finding... They're not finding ways into the kingdom of God, and they're hungry for it. John Wesley said people weren't finding ways, not because that there weren't religious people in their towns or their villages. No, Wesley said they weren't finding it because few people had the heart of God, the heart of compassion. Few people saw as Jesus did. 
few people looked out and he saw the crowds as hungering and thirsting for the ways of God. Have you ever been moved in your own heart with a sense of compassion? Have you been in those places where you see something that isn't right, like Jesus does, where he sees things that aren't right, and you long for the kingdom of God to come close in a place? What do you do? What do we do? What does Jesus do? Um, Christy, I want to throw, I want to call a mulligan here. And I want to go to a different slide than the one you've got ready to go. And I want you to go to the slide where, where we look at what Jesus does, okay? Um, sorry, that's, that's inside baseball talk, I guess. Um, but I had one, one plan in mind, but we're going to go with another one. Um, so here are some of the things that we watch Jesus doing, okay, that Matthew lays out for us as he reflects this reality that he's got the heart of God and the compassion of God. First off, Jesus has a sense of presence and vision. Matthew tells us that throughout all of the places, throughout each of the towns and villages, Jesus traveled. He was close to those places. His very presence was there. And he had a sense of vision. Like he saw people. He saw, he saw the person who was blind. He noticed that person. He saw the person that was distressed in their spirit. He noticed that person. Jesus had a sense of, of presence being among people, and vision, seeing what was really happening in the lives of people that he, he traveled with. Um, my hunch is, friends, that, that he had a very unique vision and that we have to train our own hearts and our own minds to have the same kind of, of vision that Jesus does. But Jesus could see things. He saw people that needed the kingdom of, of heaven. The other thing that Jesus did, Matthew tells us, as, as his heart was moved tor- towards compassion, was he proclaimed the, the good news of the kingdom of God. One of the things that I, I love, one of the ministries that we have here at Schweitzer, it's called a Good News Club. And the Good News Club is, is a, an element that takes place at Pittman Elementary. And it's a, a club that meets after school. And we've got some folks from Schweitzer that love Jesus and they love kids. They, their hearts have been moved with compassion. And they long to go to Pittman to, to interact with kids that need interaction with. And one of the things we know about a number of the kids in our own neighborhood is that they need adult interaction. And so there's some folks from Schweitzer that go up there and they interact. They, they cheer the kids on. They ask how their day was. But one of the things that they do too is, is they share the, the stories of God. They share the scripture stories. They share the good news of the kingdom of heaven. You know, a lot of the challenges we face in our own day, a lot of the challenges we face in our own journey is the reality that that we don't hear the good news that Christ proclaims. There are places in our own hearts, our own minds, our own families where we see the effects of, of our spirits being out of alignment with God. Where we don't we don't really follow fully or we haven't encountered the grace of God in a way that's been transformative. And that effect, that effect is with us. Sometimes it's out in the open and sometimes it's hidden. It's just latent, but it journeys with us. 
And we all, we all need to come to a place where we, we hear and we encounter and we experience the good news of the kingdom. And Jesus is, is not one to pull punches. I mean, he's, he's one to put it out there. Who does God love? Well, he, he loves everyone. Who does God see? He sees everyone. Who can come close to the kingdom of heaven? Everybody can. Jesus continually shares that story over and over. He proclaims it everywhere he goes. One of the things Jesus does too is he takes action. He's somebody who takes action. Like he rubs shoulders with people, right? Like he doesn't stay in, in a faraway distance. He touches people. He prays with people. He, he knows people intimately. And, and intimately, not in a not in an unhealthy way, but in a very healthy way. And Jesus then, he has a sense of seeing opportunity. Um, not dear, down near the end of that text, Jesus says, um, he looks to his disciples and he says, look, he says, we've traveled through all these towns and these villages. We've seen all kinds of things, but one of the things that we've seen is we've seen people who are thirsty or they're hungry. It's like a sponge that hasn't been put in water for a long time. It's dried up. And some people, they, they could describe that in negative terms, but Jesus doesn't describe it in negative terms. He sees it as a great opportunity, and he says, take this thing that we see, take these people that we see, and see that the Lord, the Lord's heart is moved towards the people we've been rubbing shoulders with. The Lord's heart is moved towards these people. And then, he's, and then Matthew tells us that Jesus prays. He prays. And N.T. Wright is right when he says that there's only a couple times when Jesus tells his disciples or tells us how we ought to pray. And this is one of those places. And Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send people out into the harvest field. To send people out to rub shoulders with the people we've been rubbing shoulders with. Send people out into the field. Now, as you think about what Jesus does, and you see all those elements that are there, um, I'd like to ask you a question. What do you tend to do when you encounter a need, when you encounter something that isn't right? What do you tend to do when your own heart uh, is starting to move towards compassion? What steps do you take? Do you take these steps of Jesus? Sometimes we do, and sometimes we wish we did. Um, I created a little list, and Mark, Mark Manila and I we actually created this little list, thinking about what we often tend to do, and I'll just walk through these briefly. Sometimes we ignore the situation, right? When we're, we're in a spot and we see something that isn't quite right, but we might not exactly know what to do in that moment. Every time I come off one of the exits in Springfield, I find myself being in a spot where I ignore the situation because I often find people holding up a sign, right? And they say homeless or they say hungry or they say all kinds of different words on them. And I have to tell you that there's a battle that takes place in my soul in that moment because part of me recognizes that the story of Mary and Joseph who are on the run with the little baby Jesus heading from Bethlehem to, to Egypt, 
as a safe place, that that story isn't just a story that happens in that moment, but that's a story that happens all across time. And when I see people standing on a corner, sometimes I wonder, is that Mary, is that Joseph? And yet, there's another part of my brain, right? That says, I know that there's something happening in this spot where people come to this spot day after day after day, and this is their job. And there's some part of me that struggles with that intersection. And so when I'm there, I tend to do something, and this is just honest confession, I tend to do something that I hate to the depths of my soul about about what I do. I just kind of look down and I don't look at the person because I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. I don't know if you've got a a better tack. If you do, I'd love to hear what you do. But that's the place where I'm at. I'm stuck in that sense of turmoil, that sense of traction. So I find myself ignoring instead of looking. And that, I think, is the thing that that bothers me most. I don't look and I don't see. Because the thing that I know about Jesus is that I know that he looks and he sees. And he sees people. Some of us, we see stuff, right? And then we tend to take and, and... We've got a number of other items here. And all these other items tend to, tend to put us at a place where we can take some sort of action, but we do it from a distance. Like, um, here we go, become an advocate. Uh, how many of you remember the Occupy Wall Street movement? It was about five years ago. Um, took place. I was in L.A. at the time when it was unfolding out there. And somebody said, hey, there's protesters down on the square. And I'm like, that sounds like fun for somebody else. I don't even know what they're protesting, but um, I had no idea what was going on at the time. I was working on another project, and it it hadn't really come out, but it was like, there are people who are being advocates, and you know, being an advocate, uh, that's been, I mean, that has, that's been a part of our culture for a long time. People who are moved by something become an advocate, but you know, being an advocate sometimes means we also put a little distance between us and the, and the things that are really driving the issues of the day. Um, you can, sometimes we take action and some of the action we take is, is distant action. Or sometimes it's starting organization. We, we are a group of people that love to start organizations, right? We become that kind of, of people. We start organizations to address a problem Jesus, Jesus went from town to town, person to person. We give money. We, we ask the government. We ask somebody who we think has a leverage of power to do something. I come back to the story of Jesus, and I'm challenged in that space. Because what I see Jesus doing is I see Jesus getting shoulder to shoulder, hearing a story listening to somebody else's journey and saying, you know, God cares for you. And in fact, here's what God would like to do in your life at this moment. One of the things I'm super pumped about that we have here at Schweitzer is something that has just been emerging. It's called the Life Change Plan. It's, it's a place where um, somebody who's willing to be a mentor is linked up with somebody who, who knows that they need one. And... We've got a story that comes, that, that's come to us out of a recent life change plan participant between the mentee and the mentor. 
And we'd like to show that to you. And I would really encourage you to listen. And listen to the reality of what's being said about how God is at work and where Jesus is present when two people get shoulder to shoulder and face to face. Let's take a listen. My daughter and I were sitting at home talking about people that didn't have the support they needed, people that just needed somebody to come along and give them a hug and love them a little bit. I actually moved here to Springfield from Rolla. I had to get away from a lot of things and I started attending this church and I heard about the life change plan and I got it and I love it. I love my mentor and it's just so many things that great that's happened. You know what I mean? Casey just changes week by week and I get so excited and the girls at the Women in the Well they're her biggest fan. You know, everybody says, oh my gosh, we just love her so much because she's got this sweet, sweet nature. Always willing to do, takes part in the sunscreen. I love her because she's making me grow. I have changed so much. And it's, I'm just happier, you know. To, to, it's so fulfilling. And just to watch her grow, it just makes me so happy. This is the first church, honestly. Like, I've been raised in church. But like, I really feel like this is my home, my home church, you know, like everybody accepts me here and I just feel the love and uh, the Jobs for Life program that I took, that was a really good program, I really enjoyed that and you know, I got a good job now, my insurance for my health insurance starts on the first, and so I'm really excited about that. Just so many things, like through the life change plan, the stuff that you do and stuff, the requirements, it like almost is like now it's like, it's not a requirement, like it's something that I want to do. You know what I mean? So it's not like, oh, well I have to get this done this week because I'm in this, you know, but it's not like that anymore. Like when you're in school and you had to do a report or something, you know what I mean? Like, but now it's just something that I love to do, you know? Yeah, like I crave it. Grow from it. It's all, it's all been good for me. I, you know, I'm glad she's growing too. But I'm really growing, and I'm excited <laughs> about it too. You know, and it's made me want to minister more and more in the church. And I think it will for everybody. When you see this kind of growth and this kind of joy, you just oh, want to jump up now. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> just like she said, I've grown so much in my life in almost every aspect of it, you know, like, like, I don't know how to explain the relationship that I built with Christ that I want others to feel, you know, so, yeah, I really think it's a good program. It does change your life. Yeah. It's, it's like, I've been a Christian more years than I can count, and just, I, you know, walking with Christ through this. It's like he's just right here and Casey's over here on the other side. And we're just doing it, like you said earlier, together. And it is just nothing but a blessing. Do you hear what Vicki said there? Christ here and Casey here. We're walking through this. And it's made a tremendous change. Casey's life and Vicki's life. Jesus' compassion flowing out. There's one other thing about that, about Jesus so personal, so connected to what's happening. It's the reality that Jesus prays. 
Mark McNeil and I were leading a seminar up, called Upgrade Your Mentoring about actually leaning into you know, helping people find a way in to being a life change plan mentor. And, and if you're interested in that, you can, you can connect with Mark or, um, yeah, connect with Mark on that, Mark McNally. But we were leading this um, seminar on up, how, to, how to mentor, how to be the best mentor that we can possibly be. And we had a slide up, like traits, I think it's called traits of a mentor, or five skills of a mentor. And we were talking through those different skills, different skills that a mentor would have. And somebody in the audience, somebody in the crowd said, you know, you don't have prayer on there. You don't have the skill of prayer. And, and I said, you're, you're right. And you've reminded us of something. Sometimes we think prayer is something that we do at the beginning or the end of an event or something that we do uh, at the, in the morning when we wake up or at the end of the day or something that we do when we eat meals. But, you know, at the end of, of that summary that Matthew gives us, Jesus prays. And prayer isn't just something that he, he tacks on, but prayer is the sense of here is this work, here is this point where I come before God and I say, okay, God, uh, I see the opportunity, I see the people that I've, been, that I've been rubbing shoulders with, I know what's happening around me, and where are the doors, what do you want me to do, what's the action you want me to take? There's an old line saying, you know, prayer isn't something that helps us do the work, prayer is the work that we're called to. Prayer is the work that we're called to. This morning, I would just like to lead us in a few moments of prayer. Because actually, I think that's where, that's where Jesus is asking us to go. Jesus wants us to realize that he has compassion on the crowds. And you and I, we get to move among crowds each and every day. Sometimes they're small, sometimes they're big. Sometimes our hearts are moved intrinsically with compassion. But there's a sense in the Gospels where the Lord wants our hearts to be fully open. So if you're willing, I'd invite you into a time of prayer with me. And I'd invite you to take up a posture of prayer, an open posture, where you may take your hands and you might just put them out in front of you and they're open hands. I invite you to pray for a couple of minutes with this question. Who's the Lord put in front of you as a, as a group of people that the Lord sees, that the Lord cares about, that are crying out in a unique way to him? Who's the crowd in front of you? And move from the crowd that's in front of you. So what does God's heart say about what action he might want you to take? Just ask the Lord to speak to you. Like what action would he want you to take? 